millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And lovely to see that a lot of the papers picked up on the story that we started the programme with actually this time yesterday when I got to speak with Chris O'Donovan from from Moy, who spoke about what had happened the day before. Well, he's out for the walk with his dog, spotted the little girl who had got stranded in the middle of a pond, little Crystal O'Driscoll, just three years of age. And luckily she had the sense to prop herself up and sit on a stone because if she'd come off that stone, she would would have been under the water. Chris spotted it, spotted her and went in and uh, saved her. And as we said yesterday, it could have been a very different news story we would have been covering uh, yesterday. But a lot of the papers picking up on that story, which I'm thrilled about. And there's lovely pictures of little Crystal in a lot of the papers, but also photographs of our big, big hero, Chris O'Donovan. And it was lovely yesterday after I spoke with him because he wasn't in, he didn't in any way feel like he was a hero. He just, you know, because when I introduced him yesterday saying he was a man who was in the right place at the right time and he was just thankful that he was in the right place at the right time and of course uh, little Crystal's mum Emma joined us on the programme saying you know words absolutely fail her in, uh, in how to thank Chris but as I say a lot of the papers picking up on it today and it's also making actually the front page of uh, today's Corkman and they've also included a picture of little Crystal O'Driscoll and when I picked up the Corkman this morning what fell out but three gorgeous postcards and there's St. Patrick's Day Postcards. It's St. Patrick's Day greetings from County Cork. There is an aerial photograph of Blarney Castle. Gorgeous photograph of McCroom Castle. I always think McCroom Castle is quite a stunning castle. And then there's also a picture of a castle rune in Kilcorny at the River Own Bawn. And they are St. Patrick's Day greetings from from County Cork. All the photographs taken by Sheila Fitzgerald and they're coming to you compliments of this week's Corkman and the idea is now you'll have to put a stamp on these ones. These are different to the postcards that were being sent out by on post but they're lovely and it's kind of a nice thing to do. We, we can't be together for St. Patrick's Day this year. So if you get yourself a copy of the Corkman as they say it comes with three free postcards. There's three free postcards inside in every single copy of this week's Corkman. So well done to the Cork on that and of course next Wednesday is St. Patrick's Day and it's going to be 
different St. Patrick's Day, but I, we're kind of getting used to it because we had it last year. We weren't able to get out and have the parades uh, last year. Please God, this time next year, we'll be able to do a review of the parades. Wouldn't that be for, or a preview of the parades and be able to talk to all of the organisers as to what time is your parade uh, starting? But we certainly won't be doing that this year. But if you're in an area that you're doing something virtually or something where you're keeping everybody social distancing, maybe doing parades in cars. If you want to let us know about it, get an email into us and we'll do our best between now and St. Patrick's Day to mention as many of them as possible. The first one of them actually arrived this morning from the I Love Bantry group to say every year on the 17th of March, Bantry goes green to celebrate the patron saint of uh, Ireland. This year will be the second year where we'll be unable to have the massive gatherings in due to the global pandemic in Bantry. So it's also the second year in a row that the I Love Bantry group are inviting the people of Bantry to join in a St. Patrick's Day car parade around Bantry and they're asking everyone to dress in Irish colours and just to have a little bit of crack. See, you can still get together and you can be waving at each other from the cars and if everybody dresses up and put on your finery and your St. Patrick's Day uh, gear and just think about it, the children will absolutely love it and to the safety of your car, you get to see people you probably haven't seen maybe since the St. Patrick's Day car parade last year. So well done and that's been organised by the I Love Bantry group. As I say, if you are involved in any other community group and you are doing something similar on St. Patrick's Day, please get an email into us, uh, Patricia at uh, c103.ie or Cork Today at c103.ie and we'll get to mention as many of them as we can between now and next uh, Wednesday. Now, positive COVID cases will have to fall to between zero and 200. Wouldn't it be great if we had days where we were reporting zero cases? That would be a good news day for sure. But before the country can safely reopen, it looks like now we have this magic number. We're going to have to have a run of 200 or less new COVID cases per day and this is coming from the government's senior medical advisor in what has been seen now as the clearest indication to date as to what is required in order to reopen the country and to reopen it safely. It's understood that the reproduction rate of the virus will also need to fall and they're saying it will need to fall to about 05 that's going to be tricky when you bear in mind that the new strains seem to be much more virulent in the UK one that we know it seems to pass on so much more easier and quicker so it's going to be hard to get that reproductive rate down to at least 0.5 before we can consider having a major reopening of the country. Senior ministers according to the papers today are understood to be worried about unreal expectations building around the prospect of a speedy relaxation of restrictions and I I've noticed talking to people and I've certainly noticed it on this programme I think a lot of people are expecting that when the 4th of April we know that the next sort of lifting of any kind of restrictions is going to come on the 4th of April and I think there are for some unrealistic expectations I, the amount of people who think will I be able to go and get my hair done on the 4th of April and I, I, my heart would love to be getting my hair done on the 4th of April but I have a gut instinct telling me I don't think hairdressers and beauticians are going to uh, open now last night of course it was confirmed 
our latest figures. We were at 631 new cases yesterday and that's up almost 300 on the previous day. And the previous day when we had a number of positive cases of just over 300, it was, oh my God, are they finally, finally coming down? But then it just shows COVID-19 and just how contagious it is. We jump in a day Oh, you know, almost 300 going up to 631. And then, of course, the sad news, 41 people passed away. Now, that they weren't all in the previous 24 hours. They were over, I think it was the last uh, three months. Now, according to the Irish Examiner today, they say that there was oral briefings to the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, and the senior government figure, Philip Nolan, the chair of the National Public Health Emergency Team. He has suggested cases need to fall sharply before we can safely reopen the country. It has been made clear that the level of restrictions will only be reconsidered when when we when the, everybody over the age of 70, those who are in very high risk, all of our front work line workers, we need all of them vaccinated before there can be a serious lifting of restrictions. That is not expected to happen. Everyone in that group will not be vaccinated until at least mid-May. So I think when the 4th of April come, comes and there will be some lifting of restrictions, I think it'll be another six weeks after that before we'll, we will see a major one. So on the 5th of April, the what, what's expected? They're saying there will be some relaxation of the five kilometre travel limit. I think all of us here in Cork would love if that five kilometre travel limit gets lifted so we're allowed to travel anywhere around the county. I think that would be such a lift for all of us. Is that to happen? I don't know. They may decide to lift it to 10 kilometres or 20 kilometres, but they're expecting there will be some relaxation at the start of uh, April. There will be an expected reopening of construction. That certainly is going to go along. Uh, It's going to happen as well. However, there's unlikely to be any further concessions, despite what is now a palpable desire for many sections for the relaxation of restrictions. I think retail wants some of their shops to be allowed to open. Certainly hairdressers and beauticians say we're ready to go back. The general public wants them Uh, to go back but it is looking like the government are really going to stick by the advice that's coming from the medical uh, experts and I think you know Stephen Donnelly summed it up at a parliamentary party meeting last night when he said the country needs to remain cautious to ensure that we don't go into a fourth wave and when you think about it and I think most people will agree we want to come out of this lockdown and we want to come out of this third wave and we never ever want to return to anything like the figures we th- we saw in the third wave and I think whenever we finally come out of this lockdown I think most of us will agree that we want this to be the last lockdown and if it means that we have to extend this lockdown if this lockdown has to go on until May I think when we stop and think about it, while we'll be very disappointed and some people will be very annoyed and I feel for people in businesses who are desperate uh, to reopen and get back up and running. But if the long term goal is that we end lockdowns and that this becomes our last lockdown, then I think we'll all celebrate and we'll all be happy uh, with that. And looking at what is coming from the senior medical advisors, it does seem to be very cautious 
reopening and only reopen when the figures are absolutely uh, right. And obviously Micheál Martin and the government are getting a lot of flack about that we don't have enough vaccines and why are we not vaccinating more people and we're all looking at other countries and how well they're doing at vaccinations. Well Micheál Martin says that they have and they will continue to seek every single avenue to get uh, vaccines. He says if there's a European Medicines Agency approval from any vaccine outside of the EU then he said we will go after those and I'm assuming what he's talking about there is probably the Russian vaccine the Sputnik 5 which we know the European Medicines Agency is starting to look at so if that gets the go ahead I'm assuming Ireland will line up and try to order as much of that vaccine as, as all of the experts say what, what vaccine is the best? The one that's in your arm. It doesn't matter where it was made as long as it's in your arm and data from the Department of Health last night showed 613,650 COVID-19 vaccines have been delivered into this country to date and that's up to the 7th of uh, March. So 600, just over 613,000. How many of those have been administered? 525 have been administered. They've gone to staff at long-term facilities, frontline health workers and we know they've started to roll them out to people over the age of 85. They're now down at people over the age of 80 and they eventually will go to everybody over the age of 70. So currently... 95% of available vaccines have been administered and they are administered within seven days of arriving in this country. They always have to hold over so many because the second vaccine shot has to be given after two weeks or after a month, depending on the vaccine that was uh, given. So they're saying, look, we're doing the best that we can, but good to see that Micheál Martin is saying we have and we are seeking every single avenue that's available to us. That is what we're doing. We're going, we're chasing it down. We're doing our very, very best. And on the vaccines, there's lots of so much good news coming through on the vaccines. And the first real world glimpses of COVID-19 vaccines are reading out the vaccine in action. They're reading starting to emerge. Globally, more than 300 million doses have been administered. So we're getting an early picture now of just how effective they are. Countries that ha- that are significantly, obviously way ahead of us on the rollout, will be the likes of Israel, the United Kingdom and in America. And they are now starting to provide preliminary data that's very encouraging, not just for the efficacy of the vaccines, but also around the safety. And obviously you've got some people who are nervous about getting a vaccine because of the safety. Well, we can now look at these real world studies just to show how efficient they are, but also to show how safe they are. And the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, and that's the one that has been administered to most people in this country, the bulk of the of those that got a vaccine has been the Pfizer and the good news coming from a peer review study in the New England Journal of Medicine carried out in Israel it looked at hundreds of thousands of people who got that same vaccine and it found that the two doses once the second dose had been administered it reduced symptomatic cases by 94% it reduced hospitalisation by 85% and severe COVID disease by 92% so it's a real real good news story and the effectiveness was similar for all of the age groups from the over 70s right down to the younger age groups because obviously in Israel they've been giving the vaccines out to all uh, ages and then the AstraZeneca the Oxford AstraZeneca nearly 100,000 people have received that in this uh, country a study in Scotland have found that four weeks after the first dose because you wait three months for the gap between the Oxford one so four weeks after the initial dose it reduced the risk of hospitalisation 
by 94%. So it's another one that is very, very effective. So there's real good news coming out from the vaccines. Eileen is in band and finally get to speak to Eileen. Good morning to you, Eileen. Uh, good morning. Patricia. And thank you for your call. I was talking about uh, what's been leaked out from the government. It doesn't look like there's going to be a major reopening, certainly until maybe into the middle of May, and that could include retail. You're raising an interesting point about shoes for children. That's right. I've actually, because I happen to be a grandmother, and I've actually come across the, the fact that I have my, some of my little grandchildren, particularly the younger ones, they're growing out of their shoes. And which is quite common. Children do that. I mean, every two to three months, they're looking for a new pair of shoes. Yeah. And this, um, I actually had a situation where we discovered only about two weeks ago, one of my little granddaughters, her shoes were actually too small for her. So oh. We tried online, by the way. We tried it. Were, the mother had um, an actual Clark's foot gauge at home. Great. She got the right size. And when she got on to everyone's shoe shops, she even got on to Clark's. All the shoes that she wanted for her little one were sold out. So we said, well, what are we going to do now? So I, on my way back from her, she's in East Cork, I, on my way back, I went into Dunn's stores, and I actually had to get permission to go down to see, could I get shoes for my granddaughter? Because everything is barricaded off with any kind of clothes. They have tapes around everything. But if she said, you can if it's essential. Well, I said, my granddaughter had grown out of her shoes, like, you know, yeah. the ones that she had was, was a half size too small. But I just thought it, that there seems to be nobody seems to have considered that, that there are certain sections of, like even, for instance, my daughter needed to get a new pair. She's after having a um, baby. So she needed to get a new pair of jeans or leggings. She couldn't get those because they're a cluster's essential. I mean, where are they going with them? Then you see other things like happening. And you can, for instance, another thing, she, some thing that she wanted for the baby. It was a kind of a, could be a, a, some kind of a massage thing. I don't, don't ask me exactly what it was. Okay. But she couldn't get that because of the restrictions. Yet, people can get this, um, what do they call this thing, put into their skin, lips. Oh, the, bo- the Botox. The, bo- the Botox. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. seems that that does seem to be a major loophole. People get getting Botox. Yeah, it does. But the shoe one is because even if you got you had your child in a shoe shop on Christmas Eve, which was the last day a shoe shop would have been allowed to trade. So even if yeah. you were in a shoe shop on Christmas Eve, that's now nearly three months ago. And you're right, children's feet grow so quickly. Right. And your daughter is lucky to have one of those gauges at home. Not a lot of people would have one of those to measure the child's no, foot. That you, no, that's the thing. Exactly. And if another little granddaughter, that is the COVID granddaughter, she's just starting to walk. She can't take her out to a shoe shop for her first pair of shoes. What do you, you called her the COVID granddaughter? Yeah, because she was born, she was born in March, the 18th. Oh my God. She's no no I, I, other world except a COVID world. Yeah. Wow. And and I, and this is one now that my daughter, the, her youngest child, is actually he was born the twenty second of December, so he's another little baby. And yeah. I'm actually helping her. I'm I'm kind of nearly travelling more or less most days of the week to help her because she's a three year old and a two year old. That's well. tough going. That's tough going. And the first pair of shoes. So important that they get measured. Absolutely. They have to be tried Absolutely. on in the shop. I mean, the the people that work in those shoe shops are experts at knowing, and they have to allow That's growing right. room. And yeah, and and what, right. what you you can't just guess what size to put on a child. Well, all, what, what 
what I had to do, what I had to do for her was I had got the, the clerk's size. Then I went in, as I say, to one of the, the large shops here in, in Cork. Mm-hmm. Um, and I managed to get um, one of these kind of, we call them like their the canvas kind of shoes, you know? Yeah. These little tra- trainers. Yeah. But you couldn't, you can't buy a proper pair of shoes. Like yeah, that. and for starting you out. Just... With them. The one loves I know, them. I know. I know. Yes. But then you wonder, and yes. it's so important to have had the yes. right shoes and the right size for their development and all of that. Okay. Oh, all right. Listen, Eileen, thank you for that and stay safe with your travelling around and look oh, look after those grandchildren, okay? I, I, hope, I hope that they just... Um, they open up the shoe packing. shops, yeah, make, I mean, make not, some kind of allowance. About, we're not talking about parking. Yeah. We're talking about good common sense at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Shoes are essential. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks for that, Eileen. Uh, Bye-bye. I know during another lockdown, we had a problem with shoes and I think a local shoe shop, I can't remember where that was, a local shoe shop offered to help out and I I don't know if many local shoe shops are doing that if you contact the shoe shop, but it's the actual measuring of a child's foot. It's very hard. I mean, if they grow out of a a shoe, you can't just necessarily say, sure, we'll buy the next size up. Because, you know, they could have had a major growth spurt and gone two sizes up or only gone a half a size up. So it's, it is a bit of a difficult one. And I imagine there's a lot of other families in the very same situation. John Amato says, what's the cause of all of these lockdowns? No one discusses the real reason as to why we are in lockdown. It's because airports opened up dur- during Christmas and we allowed so many people in. And then we've got a delay with our vaccine rollout. Why are we in lockdown? The amount of money that these guys in the government in the HSC are on they should be making better decisions it's not the public's fault and we are all suffering because of it Dan and Ballon Hasek says Patricia three times you mentioned Israel when you were talking about the efficacy of the vaccines but how many people in the West Bank and in Palestine have received a COVID-19 vaccination from Israel I wouldn't be praising them uh, too much I certainly wouldn't praise Israel for what's going on in Palestine uh, Dan but the reason that I've mentioned Israel and I've mentioned it not just today on the programme I've mentioned it before is because we can look at that country from we're getting a real world glimpse as to how the vaccine is working that's the only reason that we're looking to that country but yes you're absolutely right it is disgraceful what's happening with the I saw the other day there was a very small amount of vaccines made it into Palestine they're vaccinating their own people in Israel and forgetting about the Palestinians you are so right and it is absolutely shameful I agree with you on that Hi I hope this extended lockdown is worth the hundreds of businesses that will never open again and the 10 years of economic turmoil that this will create. The government have failed the people of this country so badly. It's criminal. Nearly eight months of lockdowns and they haven't worked. That's somebody by WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie and just on shoes, there's a number of people agreeing with um, Eileen about the uh, shoes and uh, saying it's it's just it, it's crazy for children if you're trying to get uh, a pair of shoes. Mary says, I agree wholeheartedly with Eileen from Bandon looking for children's shoes. You can go into Dunn's and you can buy artificial fla- flowers and throws and lamps and shades. 
but you can't get a coat. And it was really cold last week. What a joke, says uh, Mary. And Liz says, it's claimed that for small children, they should be left barefoot. It's better for their foot development. I think a lot of little ones are barefoot at the moment um, through no fault of the parents. It's through no, they have no other choice. And then someone else says that the Central Shoe Shop, you know, the one in Cantorc, on their Facebook, you can li- link into them on Facebook and they're measuring children's feet by appointment. And I, I have a funny feeling, I would say a number of shoe shops are probably doing something similar. If you check out their social media page just to see or send them a message just, just to see if you want to get your, ch- your child's foot measured properly. Now, moving on, I don't think there is an area across County Cork that doesn't have a road in bad need of repair. So it'll be welcomed to hear that members of Cork County Council have agreed unanimously to write to the government seeking additional grant aid for roads. Independent Councillor Declan Hurley is chair of the Council's Roads and Transportation Committee and Declan joins me. Good morning to you, Declan. Good morning, Patricia. Was last night very windy in uh, Dunmanwin in West Cork? It, it, it was, yeah. It got kind of um, scary at one stage, yeah, around maybe half ten, but uh, thankfully there's no reports of any major structural damage or trees down, but yes, it, it, it was quite windy for a point, but I think the mobile phone reception is quite low this morning, so apologies if I don't come through loud and clear, but I'm at the highest point of demand by trying to get the best reception I can well, find. Well done. But the sun is shining and the worst has passed. Yeah. Thank God. Thank thank God. Okay. Is it fair to say that there has been years of neglect when it comes to some of the county's network of roads? Absolutely, uh, Patricia. And I suppose this is kind of our annual rant um, this time every year when the allocations of monies come to Cork County Council. And we have two, I suppose, main headings of funding that we get. We get our national roads funding which is just announced maybe before Christmas time and then we get our regional and local roads allocations in, in around this time in January. But like if I suppose the argument I, I make year on year is that if the two thousand and eight levels of funding had continued, we'd have had an additional three hundred and fifty eight million invested into our, our regional and local roads and that that is a staggering amount of money that we've lost over the last uh, ten, fifteen years in in relation to investment in our roads. Our national roads seem to be getting the bigger portion of the pie in the sense of this year there's a 42% increase but coming down when you, when you get into the nuts and bolts of the funding and in particularly from a West Cork point of view a North Cork point of view and an East Cork point of view it's the local not the, the, the local roads as we know it are the ones that for most and they get the smallest again allocation of funding um, this year 66.5 million a 15% increase um, I would have been hoping that would be something maybe up around maybe 50 um, but Again, it's, it's the bigger projects, the national projects seem to get the, the bigger chunk of the money. So it's the small roads that are suffering and they are the roads that you and I and everybody else are travelling on a regular basis around the Manway, around Clannacilty, around Fromoy. Um, and uh, like the recommendations that come from the government is that we should be doing a minimum of 5% of road strengthening every year. And that would be equivalent to once every 20 years. We're currently are doing 1.7%, which, which is once in every 59 years. Uh, yeah. And, we, and are, we are the largest county. Do we, get, do we fare better or worse per kilometre than when you compare us with other counties in the country? Well, we've, we've over, the Cork County Council is in charge of over 12,000 kilometres of road, and that's the highest. It's one-eighth of the country's uh, roads, and there's no other county can come close to that. And I, I think myself, the, the system 
the Department of Transport have for, for giving out this money uh, needs to be changed because when you look at the allocations smaller counties get, it seems to be far more, um, if from, I suppose, from the point of view of the road network they have. So my own personal views were not getting our fair share. When you add in that the the, the punter out there, everyone that's paying motor tax or road tax as we just know it, Cork County, Cork County is paying out in excess of $100 million annually on motor tax. We are only just getting back shy of half of that. And therein lies the, the shortfall in what we need to be getting. And we, we had that debate on, on Monday with the members. And yes, of course, any increase in our annual road budget has to be welcomed. But we have to make the argument we're still not getting enough. Um, and again, we carried out, um, I think in 2018, um, um, a visual condition of road survey and that outlined that there was a, a backlog of 549 million and like that's the point we keep making to the department year on year that this is the kind of money we need to be getting to get our roads back up to a, a standard that's acceptable and you know as well as I do and many of our listeners this morning there's roads out there that uh, I, I have better farm um, uh, roadways in my farm at home than some of the public roads that they're, people have they're, to they're, dis- they're disintegrating in, in some places okay what is the current government allocation and how much more in the ideal world would we need well like national roads got 86.9 million that was a 42% increase our regional and local roads got 66.5 that is a 15% increase so all in all it's 152 million uh, pot of money um, for our national regional and local roads for 2021 and I would say um, Patricia it's a paltry amount of money uh, when you look and see what needs to be invested in our roads to bring them up to a proper standard. Did I and read somewhere 500 million you reckon is the yes. figure? It's closer yes. to that is what we need yeah. from 152 to 500 there's a big gap yeah. there's a big gap it, it there. And, and we're never going to get that once off um, investment in our roads but all we can hope for and ask is that the allocations we get every year are increased to some significant percentage increase that it will give us maybe in 10... We have to plan 10, 15, 20 years ahead, but at least if we can plan 20 years ahead, we're going to have our roads back in a safe and in an acceptable condition. We'll take that, but at the moment, there is no indication coming from government, coming from the department, that we are going to get that level of funding over the next uh, 20 years to get our roads back to what they need to be and... As, as time goes on, people will still pay their motor tax, they'll still have to get the NCTs carried out, and our roads um, are still going to go to, are, are crumbling. And I'm, I'm afraid to say we are losing the battle, in our, in particularly in our regional and local roads. And it's hard on people who regularly have to drive on some of those very bad uh, regional and, and local roads. You, you know, many times damage has been done to people's cars that they then have to pay to get repaired. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm inundated on a daily basis people ringing up and giving out and complaining and they're quite willing their right to know that and all I can say is that we're trying on a regular basis to get more money for our roads and like our county council can only go and do what they can do with the money they have. If we get more money, yes we can do more but until we start getting more money, our roads are going to continue to be as bad as they are and probably even getting worse because we've, we're getting all these freak um, weather events, the winters are getting longer and, and wetter, more storms that is all taking a toll on, on our roads. And even looking at the allocation we've got this year, one of, I believe, the most significant um, resources we have in, in maintaining our roads is drainage. 
getting the water off our roads. At least that, that goes some way in extending the life of, of a road. And that's been uh, cut. Well, it hasn't been cut. We got no increase this year on last year's allocation of 2.5 million. So like yeah. when you when you go into the detail of it, we're getting paltry. Like it, it's broken down into, I could say, maybe 12 different categories. And the money is so small in those categories. When that money is spent, you don't see it on the ground. OK, so you're writing to the government pleading for more funding? We, we have to because like, at the end of the day, if we don't keep asking, we're not going to get, um, and I go back to the figure, like we, we have to try and get an investment of five, over 500 million into our roads in the next 20, 50 years. And there's been minister after minister uh, that we've met and we've lobbied and they've come down, they've seen the roads, they've visited West Cork. Oh yes, we'll, we'll go back and we'll, we'll, we'll revise the uh, Yeah, the And nothing's ever done. Nothing happens. Uh, nothing happens. You know? Yeah, it's shocking. All right, listen, um, Declan, we'll speak again in the meantime. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, West Cork Independent uh, Councillor uh, Declan Hurley, who is Chair of the Council's Roads and Transportation Committee. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. My next guest this morning works in Nazareth House in Mallow, and she joins me with a plea for someone to donate a dog for the residents of the nursing home, Anne Murphy joins me. Good morning to Anne. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, what type of a dog would you ideally like for the residents? Um, a Labradoogal. Uh, we are after locating a dog, Trisha. Oh, you've got um, one? We got one, yes. So we're just hoping someone would kind of, people would donate towards the dog. Okay, so what are you looking for? for you're looking for financial donations, is it? Yeah, if they if they could, because we're after getting um, a good um, source of a dog. Is this a dog you have to purchase? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. And it, it's it's a now the reason that you wanted um, like a, something like a labradoodle, it's because it doesn't shed, isn't it? That's right. Yes. Yeah. And that would be important in a nursing home. It would. Yes. Yeah. Very important. You know, and they're kind of nice. Fine dogs as well from I read the background of them. Their gentle nature. Yeah. So is the, is this a pup now you're going to purchase? Yeah, and he's toilet trained. Um, we've been in touch with the the breeder, and he's toilet trained and all at the moment. Okay, and um, the the residents do they miss the company of a pet? Do you think? Oh yes, they do. Yeah, and I think it would give them a great um, boost and lift. You know. And have you ever had a dog before at Nazareth House? Um, we did have one before, yeah. We did, yeah. And all the residents loved loved the dog? Oh, they loved the dog, they did, yeah. It made their day, like, you know. They really did. So you, the idea is you, the dog would live with you. The dog won't live in Nazareth House? No, the dog would come home with me in the evening. Okay. And the dog would be brought in every day. And... Um, the dog would kind of go around to every unit and um, be brought to every place every day. You know, he'd have a routine like that, you know. Yeah. And, you you know, we f- we forget that when somebody goes into a nursing home, that then becomes their home. And some of yeah. your residents possibly would have had pets at home all of their lives. Oh, they would, yeah, of course. Yeah. They, many of them would have loads of pets and, you know. 
Okay, and has last year, looking back, where you know everyone's talking about the fact we're a year into this pandemic. Has it been a tough year, Anne, for everybody in Nazareth? It has, but to be fair to, from management down to our carers, our nurses, every part of the staff have all worked very hard. And to be fair, our families have all backed us to keep the virus out of Nazareth. Wow. And there's great credit due to everyone. And where are you at with vaccinations? Overall vaccinated completely, yeah, and the residents and everyone, and everyone done very well. And was that that a great level of excitement when the vaccination arrived? Oh, it was, yeah, it was a great relief, you know, and it's brilliant that we got it, you know. There's so many people out there waiting for it, like, and we're very privileged to get it. And Nefesh today are meeting and one of the topics up for discussion will be to to try and start to allow visiting back into nursing homes and I take it that's something that all the residents want. Of course, yes, of course. And we have to follow the guidelines and, you know, we have to make sure that everyone is safe and hopefully this year things will be looking up for everyone and especially for the residents. And in the meantime, you've got this plan to try to bring a dog, a much-loved pet, into yeah. in, into Nazareth uh, House. Have you a name yet picked for the dog? No, we, we'll kind of, we'll all get together about a name for the dog, which will be a bit exciting as well for us, you know. OK. And the dog that you've now earmarked, the puppy, how old is, is it a he or a she, a he? It's a he. he. How old is he? He's uh, nine weeks old. Nine weeks. Oh, it's 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 mm. it's young. Um, the fact it's a labradoodle is it expensive? Um, they are very expensive because we've been doing a lot of research. But the man above now, to be fair to him, he's given us a good deal. Is he? And he is now, and I will give him credit. And we've done a lot of research to try and get this. To get the right dog. dog. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, how can people donate to the the, the doggy for Nazareth House, Anne? Um, I suppose I wouldn't. Um, I suppose they can just drop it. I don't know how. Send it to the nursing on. home. Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah, great yeah. If, if they don't mind. Yeah, yeah, that would yeah. be. And yeah, if you want to get, and if anybody gets money in here, we'll we'll get it on to uh, Nazareth House. Joe and Jamamwe says my dog was an Irish therapy dog. I took him into the nursing home where I worked. He was a big hit. They absolutely loved him. He was a greyhound. Yeah. I had him from eight mm-hmm. weeks of old as a pup, which is the same age that Anne is talking about. He loved the fuss he got from the residents. So the dogs benefit as well from being. Oh, it's really. Yeah, it'll be absolutely fantastic. And you know it'll give everyone a bit of a lift. Yeah, it'll be mu- it'll be much loved for sure. Listen, well done, well done. You're you're a doggy lover yourself, obviously, Anne. Are you? I am. No, I'm getting very excited about the dog. <laughs> and there's a lot of people in here getting very excited about this little doggy coming. Okay, all right. But well, if anybody wants to donate for a dog for Nazareth House, uh, you know where to go. Listen, Anne, thanks a million. Thanks um, a million some, oh, sorry, somebody says call the dog Tony. You could call him Tony <laughs> after Dr. Tony Hulan. <laughs> that should be nice. All right, listen, mind yourself, Anne. We'll okay, keep in contact bye. with you. Take care. Bye-bye. That Thank is you. Anne Murphy, a work road at Nazareth House, trying to get a dog for the residents. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
an email I'm sorry I didn't get I got this earlier in the week my apologies that I didn't get around to it until uh, now and I, I give it out and I hope that this isn't happening to many other people as well and it's to do with staycations I was talking about staycations last week on the programme and please God we're hoping that the country will have some way reopened in the summer and that people might be able to travel somewhere around the country and get away for a little bit of a holiday because I don't think uh, many of us will be heading abroad this year for sure so if we want to get any kind of a holiday it is going to, to be some kind of a staycation here in this beautiful country of ours and hopefully the sun will be shining and all of that and hospitality will have reopened and life will be coming back to some kind of normality into the summer months. Well with that in mind Patricia contacted us to say Trish you were on about staycations and the possibility that prices may go up this year. Well we booked a house in West Cork now it was one of those you know when you get a, a group of houses together self-catering houses it was, it's, a, it's a situation like that down in West Cork. We booked it for the 21st of August of this year and we received confirmation from the owners at the start of February to say everything was okay with our booking. Then they emailed us this week to advise us that they're cancelling our booking. Very disappointing as it was something to really look forward to. But says Patricia, they'll probably receive a better offer. We now have to search for another place and we'll probably end up paying double the cost. Now I would be really disappointed if someone had a booking for any kind of a holiday rental and the owners decided or thought that they could pull a fast one and get more money. Patricia doesn't say in her email. I would explore that. I would get back onto them and find out why that they've cancelled your booking. It could be, and this is possible, it could be that they're not going to do summer lets this year. Are they unsure what way summer lets are going to go? But I would hate, in the pit of my stomach, I would hate to think that there's any businesses out there that would do that, that would try and almost do price gorging on it by initially saying, yes, that price is okay. We're willing to let you stay at that price. And then suddenly to realise, oh, if more people are looking for staycations, we can up the price. That would be really, really disappointing. So I give it out to see because I know there will be other families who will already have done a booking and are looking forward to getting away in July and uh, August. Has anybody else heard of that happening where you actually had had a booking, had a confirmation email to say everything was okay with the booking and then within a month to get an email back to say we're cancelling your booking with no obvious reason for the cancellation as I say. So it's just surmising could it be something to do with the owner feels that they can get more money for the property instead. Your thoughts welcomed on that please 1850-333-103 and a listener was listening to the piece I did with Anne Murphy about looking trying to get the dog for for the residents of Nazareth House and is wondering why they haven't gone to an animal shelter there's gorgeous dogs at animal shelters uh, waiting to be uh, rehomed actually it was one of the things I didn't realise when Anne joined me that they had a dog identified because that only happened uh, since she'd agreed to come on the programme uh, with us that was going to be my one of my suggestions I was going to put a shout out to some of the shelters to see if they had a nice quiet dog and I know the reason that they're looking for a particular breed which in this case it's the Labradoodle is what they've picked it's to do with the that's not shedding they can't have a dog in that would be shedding a lot inside in the nursing home so I can understand why they'd have to be quite specific on the breed of dog but yeah would there be a possibility that there could be a dog now waiting for a gorgeous home inside in an animal shelter it certainly is something for the guys in Nazareth House certainly to think about but no doubt I'm assuming that they've looked down that route already thank you for your text 0862 103 103 somebody's talking about the I'll use a different word to the word that's used in the text the protesters who congregated for the protest in Cork last weekend I wonder who they attribute the rise in cases to wasn't it disappointing to hear the figures yesterday of 
631 and as I always hold my breath after that figure is announced to see normally Dublin is then has the highest number in the other counties and you're hoping that Cork won't get mentioned and it did get mentioned yesterday it's 41 cases yesterday mentioned for Cork which was disappointing because one day during the week we had less than five which means we could maybe have had zero because when they say less than five it means between zero and four cases that comes in as less than five so it was looking like we were completely getting rid of COVID here in Cork which would have been great because I met when I gave out figures yesterday we were talking about all the border counties they had a couple of days where they had no cases of COVID-19 which is showing that the vaccination is working in the north but yeah it would be disappointing if we start seeing figures go up in Cork as we have been doing so well. Okay we were talking about roads in the last hour with Councillor Declan Hurley. A couple of comments in on that. Patricia, listening to your interview with Councillor Declan Hurley about the roads. Well, two years ago, the council made a great job of the back road past my house. Now, I live in a very rural location. Perfect road, but the main road from McCroom to Mill Street is a disaster. Although our road is lovely, but surely the main roads are the priority. If uh, Declan Hurley could please come out to Mill Street, he would have a very bumpy ride here on the main road, that's for sure. I'm not complaining at all but why spend the money why are they not spending the money on main roads thanking you and this from our in Mill Street well Declan Hurley was explaining that they get two separate allocations they get an allocation for the national roads and they've gone up by 42% which is kind of a good news story in the national roads and some of the bigger projects are certainly going to be moved on because of that allocation and then they get a separate allocation for the regional and the local roads that's the one where they need the additional funding so when they came and you were very lucky to have them come to your area and do the road out by your house in a rural location. That would have come from the regional and local road fund. They can't use the money from the national fund, national roads for that. And likewise, they can't use money from the regional local roads. They can't put that into the national roads either, which is the fairest way if they allocate for a regional road, then that money must go to the regional uh, roads. But that's the reason. But we do need a lot of money invested in our roads. And that's the one point that that I was trying that I think Declan got it across uh, very well. It has been the lack of funding. Our roads in Cork have been neglected for so long and it really is on a daily basis we're seeing that neglect and there isn't certainly a week goes by on this programme that we won't hear from somebody complaining about bursting a tyre because they hit a pothole or talking about a road like what you're talking about there the main road between McCroom and Mill Street and it's like the Rocky Road uh, to Dublin we're constantly getting those complaints as are the councillors that's why they decided enough is enough they've got their allocation for this year it is not enough they say and they're trying to get on to the government to see if they can get extra funding bearing in mind that an eighth of the country's roads are here in Cork but we don't get the same level of funding as smaller counties with less roads do. You know and to hear Declan say 100 million euro in road tax comes out of Cork and we only get about half of that back. It just, and I know that really, really infuriates people. And someone else says, and the council seem to have plenty of money to spend on walkways. Why not put that into the county roads? Some of us can't get to work, particularly if there is a bad flood. It simply is not fair. 
And there was uh, also in by WhatsApp. Hi Patricia, Councillor Declan Hurley spoke about getting surface water off our roads. In Clannacilty, millions were spent on the bypass ring road, which was closed for months, I remember as well. And the amount of surface water on the ring road is disgraceful. The wall that continues from the new part of the road to ring is falling into the sea and onto the footpath and the council have no money to repair it. What a joke. Last week I saw the tidy townspeople. They were uh, they were out brushing the roads and taking away the stones on the path. Well, do- well done to them, by the way. It is them that we should be giving our taxpayers money to. And that's from Anne. Thank you, Anne. Someone else wants to know, is Irish Water still getting a portion of the motor tax? And I don't know, but I do remember when that came to light, it was beyond shocking. People were so annoyed about that when it was came out that a portion of the motor tax money from all over the country was going to Irish Water. I don't know if it's still the case. I'll see if I can uh, check it out for you. 1850 And then a number of people coincidentally are on about the rise in petrol and diesel. Somebody by WhatsApp just wondering, could you shed any light on why diesel and petrol prices are rising steadily? Every day I drive past the petrol station. The prices seem to have changed and they seem to be going up, up, up. I think they went up slightly last week or at the start of the month because of VAT, wasn't it? Because the VAT, remember the VAT had been reduced and then it went back up to the normal rate uh, again. It got reduced during one of the first lockdowns uh, during the year. And there's other people on about it as well. Finbar and Bantry says, Patricia, where is the price of petrol. When, where is it going to stop? 1.47 per 9 a litre in Bantry. It is absolutely crazy. And one of our first texts in this morning was from Pat in Cantork. says, Patricia, why is the price of fuel gone up so much in the last three weeks? Are the government trying to get more money out of us now that we're only able to travel and we're not able to travel at level five with a little bit of travel we are able to do? The last lockdown, it was 25 cent cheaper that it is now as somebody who watches the price of petrol and diesel. Well, any time we look into the price of petrol and diesel, it's all to do with what the garage buy it in at. Because remember, don't ever go with the garage owners because they make very little out of the price of a litre of petrol. They make more money out of you buying a cup of coffee than they'll make out of every litre of uh, petrol. Margaret says, morning to you, Patricia. I am really sticking to lockdown rules and I have been since last hour. March. I'm hoping that this will be our last one. Tomorrow, my husband and I are getting the vaccine. I couldn't be more excited, said Margaret. It's like us winning the lotto. Uh, I'm disappointed, though, that the hairdressers are not opening and they've invested so much to make their premises so safe. That would have been a real added bonus. Yeah, get the vaccine and go off and get your hair done, Margaret. Thanking you, Patricia, for your programme. That's uh, that's my pleasure. Listen, best of luck to you tomorrow with the vaccines. I've heard of more people and the sense of excitement when the phone call arrives. I've also, by the way, heard of, and I don't know if this is happening, if it happened to Margaret or if it's happening to many other people, but I've heard of some GP practices when they ring the person to say, you know, you are now available for a vaccine. The person then has to go online to do the booking. Like I heard of one lady in her 80s. Now, luckily her daughter was with her when she got the phone call because she was in a bit of a blind panic. I said, oh my God, how do I go online? What do I do here? And the daughter was able to sort it out and go online. Now, I don't know if every GP practice is doing that, that they're asking because, you know, bearing in mind that we're, we're 
at the moment vaccinating older people. Now, some people are very tech savvy and it wouldn't be a bother to them to go online and book in for their vaccines. But not everyone is that tech savvy. And also, let's always remember, not everyone lives in an area where they've good broadband that they'd even be able to do it. And of course, as we already heard earlier on this week, and this is a huge disappointment for for some people, uh, GPs who are giving out the vaccines are now at the over 80s cohort are reporting ongoing problems with delivery of both the Pfizer, BioNTech and the Moderna vaccines to surgeries this week. And in some cases, they're falling short of what they actually need or what they actually thought they were getting. It means that that some older patients who are expecting the vaccine are having to be contacted to told to be told that their vaccine isn't going to go ahead this week. And that's hugely disappointing because you can see them. It's not going to happen to Margaret. Margaret, you'll be fine. But you can see and sense the excitement even in Margaret's text. I mean, for her to say herself and her husband, they feel like they've had a lotto win the fact that they're going off tomorrow to get their vaccines and a lot of people feel like that to then get a call from a GP to say sorry you're not going we, we don't have enough vaccines for today or tomorrow it's just hugely hugely disappointing and I know we highlighted it for some of the GP practices in Clonakilty this week very very disappointing now the chief clinical the HSE's chief clinical officer that's Dr Cullum uh, Henry uh, he did accept and did say that uh, some GPs may not receive their total order for the coming uh, weeks but he says in all incidents the amount that they receive they tell them in advance so it isn't a case that they go into work on a particular day to be told we're not going to have enough for today they they, HSE are saying we do give them advance uh, warning but he does say that any shortfall in vaccines for the over 80 age group will be allocated in the GP next order and so on through March with a significant ramp up they expect a vaccine delivery in April as increased supplies will arrive into uh, Ireland so it's not that anyone is going to be left without a vaccine they will get the vaccine but it's just there has been a bit of a shortfall this week which is disappointing 1850 John Paul has taken your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs an Arctic driver is required for a container transport that's based in Tivoli Docks. While Dukong Concrete, they're looking for a mechanical fitter with post-apprenticeship experience and exposure to plant maintenance. CE Tree Services, they're looking for a chainsaw operative and a grounds staff covering Cork City and West Cork. And a minibus driver is wanted for a school run in the Charleville area. You need to have a D1 licence and bus air and Garda vetting would be an advantage. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. cmig.ie. Now the Justice Minister Helen McEntee has spoken about her frustration over the lack of choices for a female cabinet member seeking to take maternity. This is not just a problem, though, for government members, but also for those elected to local authorities. Cork City Councillor Fiona Kearns has spoken this week about returning to council meetings when her baby daughter was just seven weeks old. Sinn Féin Councillor Fiona Kearns uh, joins me with more. Good morning to Fiona. Hi, Patricia. And you're you're very welcome to the programme. Now, as an elected councillor, how much time are you allowed off following the birth of a baby? Uh, the short answer there is none. You're not entitled to any form of maternity leave. 
So the current provision in Ireland, is, the current situation in Ireland is that there is no provision for any type of maternity leave for female councillors, TDs and senators. Was that something you were unaware of when you decided to run for council? Um, I was quite young when I ran for council, Patricia. I was 19 at my first election, so it was never something that I actually thought of. But um, it's something that will certainly not encourage women into politics if they do think about it at such a young age, unless something changes. Now, Monday was International Women's Day when we were celebrating women and everything that was wonderful about women and we spoke about equality and equality in the workplace. Can you begin to understand how we are in 2021 and that there's no maternity scheme for elected representatives? Can you get your head around that? Yeah, to be honest, like when I was pregnant and like even colleagues of mine on Cork City Council, both male and female, kind of said, you know, what are your plans after you have the baby? And I was saying, well... I had to explain to them, and I think a lot of them weren't aware of the situation even at the time. And my own friends and family were quite shocked, you know, when you tell them that, because as far as they can see, like, it's my job. I pay taxes. I, the same as everyone else, pay, contribute to the system, and then you're not uh, entitled to any type of leave after it. Um, I think if I was to be honest about it, a part of me kind of feels that there is a very low representation of female um, politicians in the country, something we're trying to work on. And then I suppose in that cohort of women, there are only a certain other num- small number that are of a certain age. And then of that small cohort of women, there's probably only another small few that um, have either had children in office. And this has raised, as my, count- uh, my colleague, Councillor Danielle Toomey on Cork County Council, would have raised it less than two years ago and got a bit of publicity at the time. But again, nothing came of it. And um, part of me feels that does the government, it just wears its ugly head every now and then for them. And then they say, like, yeah, we're working on it. We'll do something. But nothing ever comes of it. And we just have to keep at it now this time because, like, it's it's me this time. It's the Justice Minister this time. And actually, ironically enough, Helen McEntee would have been one person that I contacted um, previous to um, giving birth. It would have been Charlie Flanagan Flanagan originally. He was the Minister for Justice at the time. But when I switched over to Helen McEntee, I received the reply from her office. So it's just a bit ironic, you know, the way things have gone, that it's her in the situation. Yeah, but but do do you hope that, you know, that Helen McEntee's pregnancy, because obviously this is now drawing a lot of national attention on this story, that maybe this is having a, because I can't think of, did we ever have a cabinet minister who was pregnant before? I certainly can't. I can't remember in my working lifetime ever remembering one. So maybe this is just the push that we need. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope it is. And um, I hope she does take her time out. And um, I mean, to be honest, if it's not sorted after the justice minister. It'll never be sorted. It'll never be sorted, yeah. But I mean, what does it say to young women who may be considering entering politics? I mean, surely it must turn some women off. Of course it will. On Monday, um, International Women's Day, we set up a women's caucus on Cork City Council. So we've decided to launch ourselves on Monday. And our, what we want to do is encourage women, and especially young women, into politics. And if we don't get this right, I mean, why would anyone... Uh, 
um, going down that route if they think they're going to have them barriers put in front of them. I mean, there are so much other barriers put in front of women. So you have a situation where you can ha- you can overcome, you can join a party, you can secure your nomination for um, t- for the election, you can run in the election if you're successful and you can serve for many years. But then you have this other barrier put in front of you. And I'm already aware of one councillor who has resigned her seat already um, up the country this week on International Women's Day, actually. I mean, the significance of that is just... Over this gave, issue? Over this issue? Yes, she gave birth that Christmas and because she wasn't able to handle the situation of carrying on her council work at the same time, um, she resigned her seat on Monday. And when I said in the introduction that you went back to a council meeting after seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Did you, is that literally all you did was take seven weeks off and then you were back in at a council meeting? Patricia, to be quite honest, I didn't take six or seven weeks off because there is no such thing in um, local politics as putting on an out of office and walking away from it and coming back at any time. Like, you re- you're literally getting emails, phone calls and all these things all the time, all the time. So it was just the actual physical council meeting that I went back to after seven weeks what I would have been doing council work, I mean, all through it. I would have had people contact me. Some people, I did say, explain to them, look, I had a baby, and I tried to redirect them. And I would literally say, "I look, I look, literally had a baby this week or two weeks ago, and they'd apologise, but sure, they weren't, you know. So I'd redirect them. And to be fair, Donica O'Leara, um, he's based in this constituency as well, and Donica and Ema would have had a baby three or four months just previous to me. So Donica knew what I was in for. Maybe I didn't. But he knew. So he contacted me and he said, you know, redirect anything possible to our office. And um, Karen, his secretary, like they did help me out a lot there as well. But there are some people that would have contacted and you just have to kind of, like if you couldn't redirect them or felt, sometimes you just, you just did it. You just got on with it. You sent the emails or made representations because it was just easier to do it rather than to explain. I mean, you can't tell people you're on return to leave if you're not entitled to it. You, and then you're in a situation where you're explaining, well, look, I'm just going to take a bit of time off. I just had a baby. And like, people are understandable, but and they wouldn't have known. And the other thing is, Patricia, if I didn't turn up to council meetings, I'm marked as absent. I'm not marked as... Um, had a baby. On, uh, yeah, yeah, you're not. You're not. And every now and then it does happen where the attendance at meetings are published um, on newspapers. Yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. So it would be literally, it would be Council Fiona Currents if 2020, if I did take the time off and say, um, attended 50% of our meetings. I have my constituents looking at that. You have people who voted for you last time. Like, there'll be no mention that you had a baby. And this was clear to see a few years ago, uh, Mayor, the current Sinn Féin president. Mary Lou MacDonald, when she was an MEP in Europe, she had a baby. And I remember just before the election, the papers published the MEP's record of attendance in Europe, and hers was low. It was low. I know it was low because she had a baby. But they failed to mention that she was on maternity leave. It was just, it was actually 73%, which is actually probably better than a lot of other MEPs, even at the time, even though she did have a baby. And she took some time off. And she was absent, so yeah, because, yeah. And actually, is it, is, it the, is it the same across Europe? No, it's not the same across Europe, no. I, um, I think some councils, um, they have things in place where you can then um, vote um, remotely or you can have your vote recorded or I think some people twin up with somebody else so that if you're not there to vote, they won't use their vote and yeah. it's kind of balanced out. There's things like that. But, I mean, they're yet to be, be explored. There's, 
does not even talk about th- those things at the moment, to be honest. And and what would because I'm I'm conscious of what you said about you know people ringing you and and people mm-hmm. not realizing that you just yeah. had a baby or whatever yeah. uh, the, the work still has to be done. Yeah. So if you were to be allowed maternity leave, as you say, you can't just yeah. put out out of the office. Is yeah. it a substitute system? Would be the the idea that somebody would would be put in your place, substitute for you maybe if if there was an ideal world. At, yeah, we maybe we could look at co-opting somebody onto the council for a few months and then you going back afterwards or I'm not sure, I haven't got, really gone into the ins and outs of it. Um, I'm not too um, aware of what they do do across Europe but maybe it's something we need to look, it's definitely something we need to look at if we need to um, carry this through. Mm. And what age is baby now? She's 13 months. 13 months. All right. Were you, because uh, we were just talking around about a COVID baby, you were just, just pre, That's right. just before COVID? Um, I literally, my first morning up and out of the house and dressed and on my own baby all dressed up and I went over to Wilton Shopping Centre for a cup of coffee and thought I'd be spending all my maternity leave, you know, doing nice things like that, being off work. But um, I did to a cafe and it was very quiet and there was all this talk of this virus and it was very quiet around and I went home and I think that was, literally the last time for months that I was able to do something like that. So, yeah, she was born in the height of it. So. Yeah, there's so many young mothers and their yeah. babies have missed out on that. Yeah. That interaction of meeting yeah. up with the other mums and having the yeah. play groups. and yeah, yeah, a lot of my own friends would have had babies around the same time. We haven't seen them. She is still yet to meet um, a lot of my family. Uh, my grandmother, she would have met just once briefly from the porch of her house last. September and please God now she's vaccinated soon um, do you know we'll be able to get yeah. out to meet her properly but I mean she's 13 months now we send her photographs but the, it's not the thing same. about it is she's only out the road from us she's so close no, it's really... and I know there's not a lot of people that would have their great grandmother around and you know it's such a special time and it's just a shame but yeah, and you want those That's photographs of all of you yeah. together and the and yeah. the different milestones and is, is, is what's your baby's name? Cara Cara is Cara walking yet? Cara's not walking yet, but I did hear him um, call it there. About the shoes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and It'll yeah, be a problem once Cara does will, start walking, yeah. She's starting to take a few steps, but um, I mean, even apart from that, Patricia, like, I think it, um, I was in Dunn's there a few weeks ago and it was a case where they'd all their children's clothes locked off and shoes and stuff like that. But you could buy um, pajamas like, yeah. there was a woman next to me trying to buy wellies for her child. Yeah. And, like, her, I, I could totally see where she was coming from. Now, the girl in the chapel wasn't her fault either. And she wasn't blaming her. But, like, where she was coming from, we have all these pyjamas. Like, are pyjamas really essential, but you couldn't buy clothes to leave the house in or wellies for your child? And, like, I would question, there's a lot of that on as well, whereas you can buy... I was in a certain shop there a few weeks ago before Christmas and you could buy a karaoke machine but you couldn't <laughs> buy other things. And actually, one that shouldn't laugh. Out, I know, when it was my own daughter's birthday there last month, she was one and they had all these Valentine's gifts in all the shops and they had big huge teddy bears with hearts in them for Valentine's. So you could buy a big huge teddy bear with I love you and a heart for Valentine's Day but you couldn't buy, I couldn't even buy her a toy. Because yeah, to- yeah, the toy shops you, are closed. Yeah, yeah. Could, and not even a toy. I couldn't buy her, a, uh, we say, a standard teddy bear, but I could buy her a Valentine's teddy bear. You know, and it's the same now with all the Easter eggs and all the Easter things that are out at the moment. And 
think now that it's pushing on and on and on, there's going to be a lot more things come up as well. It won't be just baby shoes. There'll be something else next week because people are starting to feel it now. Well, we're, we'll be three months nearly into this lockdown, particularly yeah. for the children with them. I and they, they, the advice always has been that you get your children's feet checked every three months because they, they're growing uh, spurts. But, you know, a little one like your little Cara, they need, it's so important that they get fitted with their first shoes properly. And you this know. is it. And a lot of the shoe shops, like the local ones, especially around the, the, the towns, they're smaller towns. Like they'd have small shoe shops. They wouldn't be, people wouldn't be packed into those shops ordinarily any day of the week. Yeah, they'd and be safe. They were, yeah, there's, ne- there's never hundreds inside in those shops. Of That's a good point. Was. I was in the supermarket last week and it was, it was like Christmas Eve inside the supermarket. And even though I booked a slot thinking that it might be relatively quiet or controlled, it absolutely wasn't. It was pandemonium in there. And it's like, you have all these smaller businesses, even like small jewellery shops, um, shoe shops, people like that who would never bar Christmas maybe have a, a lot of people in the shop at any one time and they're all suffering so I think they need to look at things like that letting them open up and carry on their business in a very controlled and safe way Yeah, not, all, a, not a free for all but a controlled and a no, safe way but yeah. I mean there would never there would never have been small shoe shops that would have been a free for all in them anyway Yeah, so you're so right You're so right yeah, Alright, listen uh, Fiona thanks a million for that and uh, look after yourself Thanks, Patricia. And thanks, thanks for, for joining us. Time to well, too. our pleasure. Thanks for joining right, us. Uh, bye bye. And his young mum and Cork City Councillor Fiona uh, Kearns. Actually, somebody's just pointed out, and when I saw it on text, I have a vague recollection. Somebody said Maura Gagan Quinn. Was she, was she a minister when she had a baby? Someone says it was a long time ago, but I think she used to feed her baby. She used to bring her baby with her in the doll to feed her. That vaguely rings a bell. And someone else is saying, Maura Gagan Quinn, did she not have a baby when she was a minister? Let me do a quick check on that. But that does ring uh, a bell. Uh, but if it's true, nothing has changed because we've got our own Minister for Justice who is clamouring to, to, to find out what exactly is going to happen. Does she get replaced as Minister for Justice? How long? will she take off? She has said that she wants to take time off. It's her first baby isn't it? She wants to take time off but how long is she going to be off for? But she's technically by the law not entitled to maternity leave as indeed none of our elected representatives local or national. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk Talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And we are going to Skibbereen Garda Station where I'm joined by Sergeant Trina O'Mahony for this week's uh, Garda File. Good morning to you, Trina. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, we want to start with help with a burglary. Um, and this happened in Skibbereen. That's right, Patricia. Um, Garda here at Skibbereen are investigating an incident which occurred in the Bridge Street upper area sometime between the 1st and, and 6th of March 2021. And following that incident, it was discovered by our victim that a number of items had been taken from their home. And these included a yellow gold engagement and wedding ring, as well as a quantity of cash. Um, we're inclined to believe at the moment that it may have occurred likely closer to the 1st of March during the daytime. So we'd just be appealing to anyone if they saw anything suspicious in around the Bridge Street, Bridge Street Upper or surrounding areas of Skibbereen um, in that time period if they would please contact us here at Skibbereen Guard Station. Okay, an unusual crime here of criminal damage to road signage. 
Yes, Patricia. Um, Gardaí Crookstown are investigating three separate incidences of criminal damage to road signage, which all occurred overnight um, on the 7th of March 2021, so sometime between midnight and 11am um, on Sunday morning. Uh, those incidents occurred. During those, public road, road signage was actually discovered to have been cut down using an axle grinder and they were just left thrown at the roadside. Completely needless acts of vandalism um, as we see them at the moment. Uh, these would have been large metal road signs with significant value. Um, it occurred in a number of separate locations but in relatively close proximity in the Roos, Beg, Rathard and Scarfs upper areas of near Atherland, Coachford. So needless to say, the Gardaí are anxious to hear any information that anyone might have in relation to those incidents. And if you do know anything, we'd appreciate if you would contact the Gardaí at McCroom or at Crookstown Guard Station. Yeah, now you've sent on a, a, a photograph. It's just such a bizarre crime. And it definitely is an ankle grinder, wasn't it? Because when I saw it first, I said, oh, maybe a car hit off it and, you know, it was a bit of an accident or whatever. But that's an ankle grinder. An ankle grinder was used. And not Absolutely. even that the roadside was stolen. It literally was chopped down and just left. And senseless. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Somebody must yeah. have uh, hopefully seen something. OK, and then we move to a theft in Domamwe. That's right, the Guardian at Dunmanway are investigating a theft which took place sometime between 1 and 6pm on the 2nd of March. That would have been last Tuesday a week ago. And in that incident, a two-month-old Border Collie puppy was taken from uh, the backyard of its owner's home in the Dunmanway town area. The puppy is described as being black with some white spots. And we understand entry would have been gained in that case through forcing a side fence into the back garden. And the puppy in that case is chipped. So we just appeal to anyone out there who might have any information, who might have seen anything or indeed have been offered uh, a puppy for sale. And they might be suspicious of of where the the puppy has been, um, has come from, sorry, to just contact the Gardaí at Dunmanway or Clannacilty Garda Station. And what we constantly say to people, be very careful where you're buying your dogs and your puppies uh, from. Okay, and I know we've mentioned this on our community uh, diary. Your colleague, um, James O'Mahony, is involved in a community wellness event. This is a webinar. It's tonight, isn't it? That's correct, Patricia. That's happening tonight at 7.30pm and it's being hosted by Courty Rovers GA Club and Kinsale Community School in conjunction with Kinsale Youth Support Services. And the focus of that is a discussion around emotional growth with Connor Cusack and it's aimed at people of all ages from transition year students upwards. So I'd encourage anyone who has some time on their hands this evening to join into that if they're interested. And you can do so by logging on to the Courty Rovers website. And Dara Community College, they've got one tonight as well, don't they? They they do. And my colleague Damien White has asked me to just mention that as well. He's doing a webinar from 8 to 9pm tonight and he's going to cover topics such as cyberbullying, road safety, farm security, crime prevention. And he's also going to talk a little bit about his own cancer diagnosis. Um, And that's tonight, as I said, from 8 to 9. And details of that webinar are on the Dara Community College webpage. Okay, and uh, we wish uh, Damien and the rest of the gang good luck with that. Now, this is Fraud Awareness Week. And actually, I've seen a lot of newspaper articles because it is uh, Fraud Awareness Week. Hard to believe that there's so much fraud still going on. People are still getting caught out. Yes, and unfortunately, I suppose, in the last number of months where people have moved to doing a lot of more business and online interacting of all kinds um, it seems to have become more prevalent in that area over over recent months 
So this week, the um, Garda National Economic Crime Bureau, in conjunction with our press office, have had the, a fraud awareness week. And the focus of that is just, again, to highlight the dangers of the various types of fraud scams which are happening all across the country at the, moment, at the minute. And I have a number of different types, and I'm, if that's OK, Patricia, going to go yeah, through please a couple do, of yeah. them, Just to give people um, an idea of what to look out for. The first one is the age-old smishing, vishing, or uh, fishing. And this type of fraud has... The reporting of it, at least, is up by 80% in the last number of months. And something just to be aware of is that this is affecting all age groups. It's not just, you know, elderly or vulnerable people or anything like that. Everyone, unfortunately, is um, vulnerable to, to becoming a victim to it. This is where a person gets an unsolicited contact. So it might be a text, an email or a phone call. And... Some of the ways in which it's presenting at the moment are things like a text message. Um, one example would be the, the, the reading of it would say, we noticed some suspicious requests were attempted from your bank account and it'll provide the name of, of your bank at a particular time. And then it'll say, not you, question mark, and then provide you with a link that you are asked to log into to review those um, alleged transactions. Another possibility would be um, a text that we know is going around at the moment saying our records indicate you're eligible for a payment of €350 due to a recent outbreak of COVID-19 and to claim please visit and it provides another website. Um, It could be an email purporting to be a delivery company or revenue seeking payment of customs tariffs and an order due for delivery. Um, and, And there are many other possible forms, but I suppose the message here for people is that no matter what form it takes, if you receive any unsolicited contacts via text, email or phone call, never, ever provide your personal information of any kind. Don't click into any links attached to any of these unsolicited emails or texts. Never give away any personal data, including your own personal data, like your name, address, date of birth, but also things like your PIN numbers, card numbers or one time passcodes. And just remember, I suppose your bank are never going to ask you for those one-time passcodes. They operate in such a way, you know, in a totally different way. So if you are getting a phone call, you know, just and you you're, you know you you believe it's it's genuine, just stop before you provide anything. Don't, and just be very very wary all the time of cold callers as well. So one thing that um, I suppose people can remember is ABC: accept nothing, believe nothing, and check everything. You know, just That's be good. very very suspicious of everything. Yeah, and I, I always say to people, you know, if you do get, because the bank might genuinely send you out a text message, but if you're anyway suspicious, ring your bank on a number that you know is the bank's number, not on a number that's in the text message or in the email. You know, source the number that you would normally contact your bank branch at and ring absolutely. them yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That number would be on your bank statement. You can get it from the phone book even, but absolutely. And don't ring back the number that you've been rang from either if you're suspicious. Okay. Uh, investment fraud, uh, finally, uh, Trina, there's a lot of this going on. There is. Um, the It's actually up by 118%, Patricia, um, in the last 12 months. And um, this is where individuals um, make investments believing them to be genuine, but later discover that they had, in fact, been dealing with a completely fraudulent entity. Um, and these have become increasingly sophisticated of late. The use of sophisticated websites and brochures and dazzling charts and figures are used to give the impression of an, a professional company. Um, it's targeted at people who may already be genuinely interested in and have funds with which they plan to make an investment or people who maybe don't have the, the financial means but fall victim to the promises of the huge returns. 
So I suppose the advice here is if you are thinking of making an investment, always get independent financial advice from somebody that you trust and, and know before making any investment. Never and you can you, you can lose a lot of money through these scams. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know of a case which recently occurred where the victim was one step away from losing, sorry, €150,000. And in that case, the person believed they were dealing with, uh, or sorry, making a bona fides investment um, with a reputable investment company. Um, And luckily, they became suspicious before it was too late. However, I suppose people do need to be aware of the modus operandi in this type of crime. In that case, the victim was genuinely interested in making investment, had made contact with a phone number that he got from the internet, having you know thought that he had done legitimate research, contact, contacted that number, um, was provided with a brochure, made an informed decision about the investment as he thought, and all the while believing it to be a genuine company that he was dealing with, with in fact, it was not. Um, and again, I suppose, just to reiterate, unless you're absolutely sure that you're dealing with a genuine company, having had proper financial advice from a trusted financial advisor, don't make any investment. Look at the company you're thinking of investing in. Check the central bank website and make sure that the company is properly regulated. And do, don't do ever give away any of your personal data, banking codes, passwords, pins, etc. Um, unless you're absolutely sure um, of who you're dealing with and that they're genuine. Okay, and you can go to, if you leave it there, fraudsmart.ie has lots more information. Trina, thank you for that and uh, thank you for joining us on the programme today. You're very welcome. Good thank morning you to you. Bye-bye. Morning. That is uh, Sergeant Trina O'Mani, who is based at Skibbering Garda Station. We've got to take a break. We're heading to the newsroom for news at 12 midday. Among some of the items we'll cover in the next hour will be Jane Pickett, our resident vest, joining us. If you've got a question for Jane, get it in, please to 1850 333103 text or WhatsApp 0862 Cork Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now we were talking about lack of maternity leave for our female elective representatives and it's very much uh, being highlighted by the Justice Minister. Helen McEntee, who's due to go out in the next couple of weeks, I think, is due to go out on maternity leave. But as an elected representative and as a Minister for Justice, she's not entitled to uh, maternity leave. And I thought uh, Fiona Kearns, the Cork City Council, the Uncork City Councillor, very much talking about how hard, how hard it is. And she back at you know, working almost within weeks of her baby being born and then back to her first council meeting when her baby was only seven weeks uh, old. We need to sort out this situation and uh, quickly... Somebody says, I'm self-employed. I had to work the day after I had a baby doing book work and signing contracts while in the hospital, says this texter. And that was 19 years ago. Yeah, that is always a problem. And that continues to be a problem for the self-employed. I also read an article actually where GPs in GP practices, some young GPs, when they have uh, babies, they're finding it very difficult to get full maternity leave because they can't get cover for their GP practice. And so I saw one doctor talking on, on the paper, obviously, Helen McEntee now has drawn focus and attention to it, saying, I think within three weeks of her baby being born, she was back in her GP surgery, you know, working a full day seeing patients, which seems absolutely crazy. And then a number of people, when I was saying that Helen 
McEntee as the Minister for Justice was the first minister. I couldn't remember any other minister that had ever given a baby while they were a minister. And a couple of people started saying, what about Maura Gagan Quinn? And I was saying, yeah, God, vague recollections of Maura Gagan Quinn. Did a quick Google search on Maura Gagan Quinn. And she did have a baby while in office, but she wasn't a full minister. She was a junior minister at the time. And special arrangements actually had to be made for Maura Gagan Quinn to bring her baby into work with her. It was her second child when she was serving as a Minister for for State. It was in the late 1970s. I think I read somewhere it was 1979. Uh, She has come out actually speaking this week because she said she's quite shocked that 40 years on what she went through is still happening today and now we have a full Minister, Minister for Justice, in the same situation that she found herself in back in the late uh, 70s. She said it's shocking that supports like maternity leave have not been put in place. Here we are so many years later and nobody apparently uh, uh, during that time decided to even look at it. Now she makes an interesting point, Maura Gagan Quinn. She said maybe, maybe it's because there has been no woman minister who's had a baby. There were women in the doll who had babies and herself a junior minister, but there's been no full minister. So maybe Helen McEntee might be the one to turn the curve completely on uh, this. But she was talking about her own recollections. She was Minister for State, by the way, in the Department of Industry, which no, there's no Department of Industry at the moment. It, it, when she had her baby in July of 19, I knew I saw it was uh, July of 1979. She had a little baby boy. She told how uh, senior ministers in her senior ministers in the department, who were they? Des O'Malley and the Minister for Finance at the time was George Colley. They helped put in place arrangements that allowed Maura Gagan Quinn to bring her baby son with her to work. It meant that Maura Gagan Quinn could breastfeed the baby during the day and then he was looked after by a friend while she was at a meeting or if she had to attend to the doll or for a debate or, or a, a vote. But she is uh, suggesting something needs to be done. She reckons, and I think this is a good suggestion from her this week, she said the most straightforward solution would be for Helen McEntee's duties as Minister to be transferred to another sitting Cabinet Minister while she's out on maternity leave. But she said this issue needs to be resolved now both for Helen McEntee but also for anybody else who comes after her and she's Morgan Quinn says if it was necessary to have a referendum to provide for maternity leave for future ministers then she says we'll have to do it and let that be it but she's saying because there's a lot of talk about will Helen McEntee have to resign as as Justice Minister and pass it over to somebody else and what would happen then when she comes back off maternity leave because she's come out quite strongly to say she is taking time off she's not going to be one of these ones who's going to run back in she says she's taking the time. It's her first child. She wants to take her maternity leave even though it won't be called maternity leave. I don't know what they're actually going to call it. We should be sending in sick notes or something because she's had a baby. I don't know how that's going to actually work out. But I think that's a good suggestion. Rather than getting her to resign as Minister for Justice pass the work over to somebody else and then when she is ready to come back after having the baby and after she's had her time off with the baby then she can come back and and slot back in. So let's wait and see. They're working on it and I know the Taoiseach and the the Taunish uh, and uh, other senior members in the government are certainly working on trying to come up with some kind of a solution for Helen McEntee. Okay, other issues coming in. Still getting people still complaining about the price of fuel. John says diesel in Carrigaline this time last year 
was €1.19 per litre. Today it's €1.36 per litre. We've been robbed blind and we don't seem to have anybody fighting our cause. And John suggests, is there any chance we could get Conor Faulkner or somebody on from the AA? Could you please ask him what's going on with the price of fuel? It's uh, it's just short of theft at the moment, says John. Very upset. You're not on your own, John. There's so many people so upset about the price of fuel. And then the price of a different type of fuel, a bag of coal, somebody said. €19, just paid €19 for a bag of coal. Will we be getting the extra fuel allowance this year? No mention of it yet, but the last time that that came up on the programme and I looked into it, for some of our listeners who, who were wondering, the announcement was made close to when the fuel allowance was due to finish, which is sometime in March, April, isn't it? And it was just tagged on to the end of it. No talk yet if the fuel allowance is to be extended but we'll keep a close eye on it and if it does get extended we certainly will talk to you about it. When we were talking about the condition of some of our county roads, we featured that earlier on in the programme, somebody says well holy God Trish, try driving the Mallow to Mitchestown Road on a daily basis and it's a road I normally when we were allowed outside our 5k it's a road I normally know uh, quite well haven't been on it now in quite some time but according to this listener it's in pretty bad uh, condition at the moment Hi Patricia as you've been talking about roads on the programme this morning I remember the time when the council used to have workers cleaning the dikes they had them in every single area and they kept the roads in great uh, condition. Uh, could the council not go back to the man with the shovel, as he was called, and start employing them? Our roads would be sorted and it would offer employment to so many people. 1850 Hi Trish, Micheál Martin and the government seem to be blaming us, the people of Ireland, for the figures going so high. They need to get their own house in order, particularly when it comes to the vaccine and get a better vaccine rollout. That is from Liam. Somebody else says, Trisha, how do I renew my medical card? Please do you know? I do. You will get contacted. Medical cards and GP visits cards are issued. There's a period, there's a an expiry date on all of the the cards. Your card is valid up to that date. The HSE will contact you when they need to review your eligibility and they may get you, you can go online, there's a way of doing it online to update it but you don't they know the date obviously when medical cards are up for review so you will be contacted about renewing or having your eligibility reviewed I know last year for example medical cards that were due to expire I think it was up to August they were automatically extended for another year but we did check in to find out were they doing the same this year because we had some of our listeners whose cards were were about to expire and we were told they're not doing that the normal reviews and renewals are taking place so the HSE will contact you if you're medical card is about to go out of date so there's nothing you have to do. I was talking about St Patrick's Day and what different groups are doing for St Patrick's Day. Here's a lovely text saying good morning. We got a message from Clarou School in Clarou where my son goes that they are going to spend the day doing St Patrick's Day activities on the 16th which will be next Tuesday and then obviously the school is off on the 17th for St Patrick's Day and the children are told next Tuesday they can all wear something green if they want to. They want to mark the day for them. This I think is a fab suggestion as it is the children who are really going to miss out on the parades. They're the ones that enjoy them the most and they didn't have one last year and they're not going to have one this year. Uh, so this, the teachers and the staff inside in Clarou 
National School decided to do something for them. Now there's no name on this text but the person said just would you ever say well done to the staff at our local school. Now I, I assume other schools will try and do something as well for the children because normally it is on St. Patrick's Day that the little ones will be putting on their green and wearing the, the hats and the hair bobbles you can get and waving the flags and heading down to the parade and it's something I love about St. Patrick's Day parade in the last number of years is the children all dressing up. I don't know uh, the, the supermarkets used to be great for selling all the little St. Patrick's Day outfits and the little green, white and gold little rara skirts for the girls and you know children love to get dressed up and uh, t-shirts if you get a nice fine day with you know a quirky St. Patrick's Day message on it etc or wearing their rugby tops or wearing their soccer jerseys or whatever it is just whatever it is that you have green in the house and it's always lovely so it is you are right it is the children will miss out so well done to that school Clarue National School but as I say I assume that other schools were probably do something similar as well uh, but uh, thank you for that okay and then there is a couple of other texts that I want to give a mention to this is from who is this one in from PJ hi uh, Patricia could you please tell let people know that the Canturk and Charleville online Zoom meeting regarding Bank of Ireland bank closures in the Dohollow area has been organised by Canturk and Charleville Sinn Féin Common is deferred. It was due to be on at 8 o'clock tonight but instead it is going to be held at 8 o'clock on Thursday week, next week, next Thursday, March the 18th. Anyone interested in attending the meeting can contact us via our Canturk Charleville Sinn Féin Facebook page. The event will be hosted by Leah Neeriada. Uh, thanking you and that's from PJ Kremen who is Secretary of uh, the Canturk and Charleville Sinn Féin uh, Common. Okay so that meeting Zoom meeting due to be on tonight it's going ahead instead next Thursday night the 18th of March glad to give that a mention for you 1850 our lines are open John Paul taking your calls we are looking for your pet questions please or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie. Dara Community Centre, they are hosting Community Garda, Damien White from Banting Garda Station on their Zoom webinar. That's happening tonight at 8. He'll speak about internet safety, cyberbullying, as well as crime prevention, farm safety and a lot more. For details of how to log on to the webinar you can check out Dara Community Centre on Facebook and I know I've had a few calls about this it's spelled D-A-R-R-A-R-A that's the spelling of it D-A-R-R-A-R-A Kinsale Atlantic Artists are holding a Pink for Daffodil Day window and online exhibition it's running from today through to the end of March with proceeds going directly to the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day Fund and Ochnagree Community Development are inviting people to join their virtual charity walk in aid of breast cancer research and their community hub. It's from Friday the 12th to Friday the 19th of March. You donate through their Instagram or Facebook page or you can contact Moraid on 087 271 5419.
Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Some of your calls coming in. Janice and Donnerell was on. We mentioned on the Garda file earlier of a dog being stolen. Well, Janice was on about her dogs. They had four of their dogs stolen last Friday in Donnerell. The Garda uh, were warning today about the theft of dogs. We did inform the local Garda. We know that this is happening and we had them locked into a shed for safety but the people broke the locks and broke through the fencing so warn people please the dog thefts are starting again that is just awful and then Lisa McCroom responding to the email that I had from the listener was really disappointed they'd booked a holiday home in West Cork uh, booked it and then got confirmation in February that everything was okay and then this month to get an email to say that the booking has been uh, cancelled and our listener is querying do they cancel it because they know they're going to get more closer to the time and our price is going to start go to go up. Well, Lisa McCroom has a great story to tell. She said, we had a booking for a holiday self-catering house this year. Now, we only were asked to pay for a deposit because obviously we're waiting to select a house from the group and it was all dependent on how the restrictions were going. Well, we just got a call to say the price has now increased due to demand and the price has gone up for a self-catering holiday home by €800. Euro. That is just incredible. Luckily, we can defer to next year and not lose our deposit, but the demand is unreal. So prices, therefore, are going up. So our listener could be right. She is suspicious that the reason she got cancelled was because they're going... They they know that they can get more from somebody else so rather than but he, but why would they not even sort of have asked our listener and say are you willing to pay more but to go up by 800 euro that really is a lot and Alan also wants to give out a warning he's a dairy farmer and just he said just to warn other people he had a guy come into his yard last year looking to buy gates to, well selling gates which Alan said he purchased uh, from him. So anyway, he came back again saying, Does, you know, are you looking for more gates? And Alan said, no, no, I'm fine for gates this time. And he said, the guy just turned completely. He said he got really aggressive. He was roaring at him. He was using f- expletives, bad language. And he said, Alan said, to be honest, he said, I'm still not over it. It kind of knocked my confidence. I did go to the Gardaí. Nothing became of it. But just to warn people to be very careful of unsolicited callers coming into your yard. Yeah, I think the best piece of advice, Alan, always with cases like that, when it's somebody unsolicited coming in, either to offer to clean your gutters or to do some painting for you or in that case to sell gates or do anything like that is just say no not interested mate and just get them off your property as quick as you can Okay back to hairdressers Joan and Fomoy uh, is, is on the line uh, Good afternoon to you Joan Good afternoon uh, On behalf of all females out there you'd love to see the hairdressers reopen would you? Well to be honest I feel it is a disgrace because my experience and most of my friends in locally you couldn't be in a safer place you go in you sanitise you wait first at the door you get sprayed you are assigned a seat which is sanitised and till you come out you sit on that particular seat and there are allowed four, it's a huge saloon there are only four people they have an equally large room about two thirds behind and they allow two people. So for the area that six people in the two rooms, I think it's just crazy. It's far more dangerous in some supermarkets. And mentally, I think it's very bad for people. For example, I had a trim and highlights the 4th of December. I had a blow dry then before Christmas. And since then, 
I've had to get healthier washing my hair because I have a shoulder problem. Yeah. I can spray that um, instant spray, but needless to say, when it's going on and on for four months, that's kind of dirty on your hair and you don't want to be washing it out every second day, you know. I think it's just absolutely, I think it's victimising people at this stage that they can't go in, even have a trim. Um, I don't see the logic in it because my friends, their hairdressers are equally as fussy. And I just, and even the lady with the shoes and the baby shoes there. I mean, those things to me are necessity. To make you feel good, you need to have your hair done every two months or so, to trim it at least. Um, Mentally, if I look in the mirror, I just see a grey top. The back is okay. But if I blow in the wind, it's all great. I, I can't reach back And would there. you would you try uh, a boxed one from the chemist or the no, supermarket? No, because <laughs> I think it's too hassleesome, even at the hairdresser. Yeah. I haven't done it for 30 years. Yeah, and hairdressers themselves always say, steer well clear, you could end up yeah, doing, doing no, more, more no damage. And then listening it. and listening to what's been, you know, Le- not even leaked out but what's been suggested by the Taoiseach and by the Taunashta it's not looking like hairdressers are going to open no. in April and I don't see why I mean to me there has been a lot of errors on the government I know they've had a lot of problems I've been watching the Tonight Show and the Prime Times the whole lot they have Kingston Mills now if you listen to him like he really has a good take on things. But I think we are gone over the top with closing certain businesses. Going to Fermoy now, Shaw's, when it opened after the original lockdown, I was only queuing five minutes and I didn't go for hours after they opened and all I wanted was tights. I wasn't rushing in to try and buy a dress, a skirt. I mean, people are practical. The summer will be over and They'll be left with loads of summer stock at this stage. There is no reason why people can't go in routinely and get a slot. For um, I mean, Shaw's keep essential items, tights, underwear, uh, kids, small clothes. Um, I, I don't see the logic. I think the whole thing is... Yeah, and, and, and actually somebody's saying, uh, because I, I know I read a piece about how there is an increase in cars on the road, there's an increase in people out of the shops, there's yeah. an increase of people back at, at work. Somebody Somebody's agreeing with you, said, when are they ever going to allow the hair salons to open? Patricia, the people are out and about constantly, so they may as well start opening up some of the yeah. businesses. The traffic on the roads is back to normal all throughout this lockdown. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah. This listener said, I would prefer lockdown uh, until the end of April. We may even have a chance of some normality there. But because so many people are out and about, there are certain... I mean, I don't think anyone is advocating for a free-for-all, just open everything no, back up. Nobody wants not. that. But there are certain sections. And I do think the hairdressers, uh, because of exactly as you described at the start of the of this conversation, they're so well run. They've invested Fantastic. so much uh, in it. And I mean, you know, I feel for some of the hairdressers, even when they were up, 
up back up running a business yeah. because they were only allowed to have you know if, the, if somebody was sitting amount, in one chair yeah. yeah they couldn't have they, they you know they were run off their, their and feet and they were so stressed uh, yeah so stressed and they worked right. longer Eight hours people. yeah worked yeah. longer hours and everything but yeah yeah I, I absolutely and I think a lot of people and I can see texts coming in saying Joan is spot on and it's uh, not that I'm proud of my hair if you saw it it stands and ends a lot of time but that's all the more reason I know, I, I know. it does need I mean it's the 4th of December since it was my yeah. good friend offered to put a colour in yeah. but I wouldn't put her under that pressure I know that's I know not fair I know okay and she I did say you might be able to take an inch off it maybe sometime now but it, it's a shame that I can't go in and pay in a safe environment to have one hairdo. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people are saying Joan is dead right. Okay, Joan, listen, you Thanks look after million, yourself. Patricia. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Michael says this is on the reopening. I don't want to be an alarmist, but we need to thread very, very careful carefully with regards to opening up. The UK are keeping a close watch on a further four strains over in the UK. We need to be ever so careful not careless. And Michael also says the Russian vaccine is not supposed to ha- have the same efficacy. Well, I'll, I'll query you on that one because I was reading only during the week on a study that came out on the Lancelet, on a Lancelet study, which is well, well uh, recognised. And they're showing that the Sputnik 5, the Russian vaccine, had a 92% efficacy in protecting against uh, COVID-19. And actually, I think on another study came out higher than the Oxford one. Uh, and I know here in this country, there's a number of our own experts are saying we should be looking to Russia for the vaccine. I know, for example, Professor Kingston Mills was one of the ones uh, coming out saying that the Russian one uh, is certainly one that we should be looking at. I know, but we're waiting on the European Medicines Board to decide whether we can go with that vaccine or not. And actually, it is expected at some stage today. We still are, we're keeping an eye on the news wires throughout the programme. It is expected that the European Medicines Agency will give approval to the one-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Even though, wasn't Miho Martin said yesterday, or Leo Radker, if, we, if they get the approval today, it, it'll be April before we'll have it. It'll probably be another month, but we just need the EMA to get the approval so we can get the ball rolling in this country and get the orders in and then hopefully get the get the vaccines. The best vaccine is the one that's in your arm. Okay, there's some questions in for Jane. Thank you for that. Anthony, this is um the Justice Minister Helen McEntee needing maternity leave. Anthony says, I think the New Zealand Premier brought her baby with her, Jacinta Ardan. She did. She went into work and she had the she had the baby with her. And someone else, this if this is of any use, we have a number, we have a mobile number for this lady saying, Patricia, my friend has accommodation in West Cork in Clonakilty. It's accommodation for five, a holiday let. If anybody is uh, interested, please pass on my number. It's a summer let. Uh, where somebody has a comment now how much availability there is throughout the summer I don't know but judging by what some listeners are telling us the costs of renting accommodation for our staycations this year look like they're going off the Richter scale 1850 333 103 let's take a break and we are back with Jane Pickett our resident vet answering all of your pet questions you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. And we will go straight into questions, which you can keep them coming. John Paul is taking calls and you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. OK, this is a bit of a wildlife question. Just uh, by the way, a listener wants to know, would Jay know what time of the year do foxes come into heat? I don't know why she wants to know that, but would you have any idea when foxes come into heat? Do you know, Patricia, I don't. <laughs> it's never something I've thought about. It's an interesting question. I'm curious myself. Now I can go and look it up and I can bring you the answer next week, but I'm, I'm not going to bluff my way through it, I'm okay. afraid. And I wonder, is it a seasonal thing or is it like, because like dogs can come, come into heat any time throughout the year, can't they? No, they, domestic they dogs. Can, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. So dogs and cats have different ways of coming into heat. So dogs can come into heat kind of like clockwork every kind of six months or so. Some are a little bit more variable in their cycles, but cats actually are really interesting. They have kind of a period of the year, usually kind of early spring, spring, summer, where they're a bit more kind of active. But um, they're what we call induced ovulators. So they can actually bear young at, at any time of the year. Um, so it's an interesting one. Every species is a little bit different. So I'll look into the foxes okay. for you. All right, as I said, I don't know why the listener wants to know, but it was just a WhatsApp that came in. Now, here is a question that came in very early this morning to make sure that I would put it to Jane. Vet question, please. I have a 10-year-old Cocker Spaniel. His name is Riley. He's in good health, bar a bit of arthritis in his back legs, but you wouldn't even notice by looking at him. I have two other dogs. And while Riley is the a- a- eldest of the dogs, can be a bit grouchy, he's never been an alpha dog, uh, according to our listener, with any of the dogs that I've had in the household over the years. In fact, he's been quite the opposite, except in the last year, he suddenly started scent marking, but doing it in most unusual places like bedposts, door jams or against water bowls. But more, most unusual of all, if he sees any of the dogs or we have hens out in the garden standing still, he'll take the opportunity to pee on them as well. Never did anything like this before. 
don't think it's a need to go to the toilet as he releases only a tiny little bit but he is being quite opportunistic if the hen or the dog is indisposed or not moving he's over like a shot any thoughts on why he might suddenly be doing this after 10 years that's a bit of an interesting one um there's no obvious answer i'm afraid if the kind of behavioural dynamic has changed a little bit, so let's say um, a new dog has been introduced to the family or a new cat or a new hen or, or something like that, if something has changed kind of the, the natural hierarchy that has kind of formed over over the years, then that would be enough to maybe feel that he needs to kind of set mark and assert his, assert his dominance. Thankfully, he doesn't sound like he's kind of displaying any obvious aggression. It's more kind of scent marking based. Um, then that might be enough to maybe just trigger that behaviour. It doesn't sound like he has, let's say, any urinary problems from the sound of what our, our listener is describing, because he's really just trying to target and do it at certain areas to mark his mark his territory. It's not that he's really desperate to go for a wee or anything by the sounds of it. Um, another thing that can happen is as we get a little bit older um, and, and in our dogs and cats, we do sometimes notice changes in behavior that can sometimes be kind of akin to senility that you might experience in humans in latter latter years. It's a very difficult thing to prove in our dogs and cats um, because we can't ask them. It's a very, very challenging thing. But I suppose as, as kind of a vet it's on the ground, it's something we do kind of appreciate as they get to their older years. Behavioural change, maybe a little bit of kind of dodderiness um, or even a behavioural change like this. The sudden need to feel like they need to scent mark everything if they're a little bit older. That might be the way that their behavioural change is manifesting. But I suppose the first thing I'd say is just make sure that there's been no obvious change in the group dynamic at home. Um, anything that all that might upset him and make him feel he needs to kind of mark his territory will be my first port of call and just manage any stress associated with that um, as best you can. Okay, hi uh, Patricia. Could you ask Jane for advice on how to stop a Jack Russell from barking constantly? Are there any remedies that I could uh, use? He barks if someone calls to the door, but even if I'm talking with somebody outside the door or even down the driveway, even if he can't see the person, it's almost like they can. He can sense somebody is there, and we have this constant barking. Okay, um, this is a really, really frustrating one for you as owner. I, I totally understand that. For the dog, he really just feels like he's doing his job. So it is a very difficult behavior to break because he thinks he's been the guardian of the house and protecting you and the household from any intruders. Um, so he thinks he's doing a great job. He's probably delighted with himself, quite frankly. Um, I can understand it's not a behavior you'd like to kind of continue, but it is a difficult thing to break. The best thing you can do is distraction. Um, so you say that he's kind of able to tell when people are there, even when he can't see them. Well, their senses are just, you know, so incredible in comparison to ours. They can smell things miles away. They can hear things much quieter than we can. So he's probably just sensing that there's somebody there that he needs to protect the household from and kind of scare off with a big wolf. Um, so distraction is a good thing. Um, if you know you're going to be going out to speak to somebody or if you know that there's a visitor planned to come to the door or you know that it's a certain time of the day that the postman comes, if you bring him into a room that's kind of the furthest away from the front door when you know that that's going to happen uh, and give him something really exciting to play with. So my usual go-to would be something like a stuffable toy, like a Kong, and stuff it with a bit of his own food, maybe a few tasty treats that won't upset his tummy, maybe just a tiny smear of cream cheese, um, something super tasty and give that to him just before you know that that person is going to call so hopefully it might it might not stop the barking entirely but potentially the drive to go and play with the really tasty thing might outweigh his need mm. to protect the family with the woofing 
but it is a very difficult behaviour. And particularly with Jack Russells, they think they're cock of the walk, don't they? They're, they're, they're the real kingpins. Oh, they do. Yeah, the, the size <laughs> they of them. Do. Uh, here's one from Julie. Uh, could you ask Jane, please, about loneliness for dogs? Do they get lonely during the day? I feel the one day a week that I'm out of the house, my dog is always very upset that night. I'm thinking of getting a second dog for company, but I don't know how he will take to a second dog. If I do go down that route, I will look at a rescue uh, dog, but I'm not sure if it's necessary or not. Do they get lonely and would it manifest in the dog being upset that night? It can do, yeah. Um, I think particularly if, if, let's say, his being left alone is a very irregular thing or only happens a day a week or happens, say, with no particular pattern to it, they tend to be the dogs that are a little bit more disorientated by it um, because it's not their normal habit. Their routine is kind of out of kilter and dogs and cats are creatures of habit. Um, so it is quite normal that they're feeling a little bit off that evening when you come back, um, that they might just be feeling like what's happened all day. My routine's totally messed up. I don't know what way is up or what, whether it's day or night. I'm very confused. Um, it is a difficult one, particularly if you're only going to be away, let's say, one day a week, although it's lovely for the pet because you're there all of the rest of the time. It might make it a little bit challenging when you when you do have that day a week that it's a bit more of a challenge. So. First things first is distraction, very similar to our barking dog. Make you leaving the house a positive experience for them. Just before you leave the house, give them that really exciting Kong filled with lots of stuffed food because sometimes the anxiety that they experience that perpetuates throughout the day if you're away can also almost be wind up because they know that something's different. They know you're grabbing your keys, you're having a coffee, you're picking up your bag before you go. So if you can distract them from kind of having that initial anxious wind up, that can be a really helpful thing. But I think if it is possible for you to keep the time away from your dog short, even if you need to be away all day, if it is feasible for you to pop back or a member of your family or your, your little bubble to pop back to check in on the dog during the day, um, then that can sometimes really help them because they know that something's, somebody's going to come back. Having another dog for company can be a really helpful thing in some cases. But what I would say is just make sure it's the right fit for you and your your kind of your lifestyle um, just to make sure that another dog will be a benefit and not, let's say, something that's going to make, let's say, the, the you being away for a day a bit more of a challenging experience. There is a certain amount of a settling period as well. You know, you're changing that group dynamic of the dogs. You are its little pack. So it's, it's you, the dog, the family, and all of a sudden you're adding another dog in. So there can be a period of kind of unsettling initially but usually that all settles down over time um, and I think definitely if I were to get another dog it, it, going for a rescue as our listener has suggested is a the really right way to go there's loads of great dogs out there that deserve a second chance. Yeah, because I know I, I would have a worry and I'm sure some people listening will have a worry about people who are working from home. If they do end up going back into the their their place of work, dogs have got very used to suddenly having everybody around the house and a busy household during the day and suddenly the house could end up becoming very quiet again. Yeah, and I think this is a really big challenge because it's going to happen eventually once all of this COVID is, is you know, settled down. It's a thing of the past. You know, people will be back in work again. And as you say, they've got very used to having humans around the house all day long. Um, I normally say that the, the dogs love it, the cats hate it. The cats <laughs> love being kind of yeah, on their know, own <laughs> lord of their kingdom during the day. And they, they think they have these humans interrupting their peace during the day. And they're very annoyed about it. So it kind of, you know, it's good for some, not for others. But it's, it's really going to be a period of adjustment when, when we all yeah. do go back to work. There will again. be a bit of sep- um, separation, anxiety going on. Okay, on the foxes, uh, somebody in the know says foxes breed once a year, January or early February. 
Somebody in the know. Thank you for that. Okay. Now, this is in from, this is one of these problems that's always so hard to get the bot- to the bottom of. Question for Jane. I am having a lot of trouble trying to find the cause of my dog's skin condition. His skin gets very red, hot and itchy. It can happen suddenly and then resolve again just as quickly. But he's over-grooming, he scratches incessantly when he feels the itch and he can end up being quite miserable with it. He's taking one one five milligram steroid tablet per day, which does have some effect, but it doesn't totally control the problem. I've tried Apoquel and Cytopoint. Both made the condition worse. His skin got very dry, particularly after the Cytopoint. So I used coconut oil to moisturise his skin. Are there any moisturisers recommended for dogs that are less greasy? I've tried shampoos with limited success and the listeners actually WhatsApped on a picture and it just looks red raw. Miserable looking, the poor dog. Mm, okay this is a really difficult one because and it, and it is a very frequent problem that we see um itchy itchy pets are really stressful both for the owner and for the pet themselves they're tortured they can't get any rest they just really want to itch and scratch that skin um so getting that sorted long term is, is a really really big priority it really sounds like this sister has done a great job of trying to take care of their dog they've tried multiple different treatments um, but it can be a real challenge, particularly with skin disease, to find the right fit for that dog um, or indeed cat. What I would say is, although it may not be what you want to hear, I think you probably need to go back to your vet again um, and discuss with them that you need kind of a, a long term plan. And that may be something that you're already working on. But it might be that if things are particularly challenging, you just need to start from scratch again, have a good look and trust your vet to make that plan for you and follow it to the letter as best you can. Um, You've tried a number of different medications. And and what I would say is further diagnostics in the case of skin disease are something that's really important. So kind of having a full dermatological workup. Um, It might be worth if you're if you're concerned as well or if you just really want to get to the bottom of things and it's not quite working out. Have a chat with your vet if you you wanted, let's say, a referral to a dermatologist. So lots of us, let's say I'm a GP vet. I do work in every kind of speciality, but I have a particular interest in particular qualifications in cardiology, which is heart medicine. There's other vets out there that have particular qualifications in skin disease. So I think first protocol, go back to your vet, just discuss the problem um, in, in great depth. And then if, if you feel you just maybe need to go a little bit further, just ask your vet for a potentially a referral to a, a skin Because it is one of the hardest things, isn't it, to solve? It's just the unknown really of what it is and what's causing it. Yeah, and sometimes when we see skin from a dog or cat, we're seeing the product of something, let's say an inflammation or an irritation or an allergic reaction that might have happened or, you know, two weeks ago or a month ago and we're seeing the infection and all the self-trauma on top of that so it is for us as vets it's a real puzzle to figure out it is one of the hardest things that we deal with day and day but it's one of the most important as well because it's all about quality of life so I think stick with it I know it's really really frustrating but it's really important to get to the bottom of things Okay we've lots of people in the know to do with foxes Uh, Tim says foxes breed between January and March they can be heard barking loudly at night around this time of year and somebody else has sent me on a clip from um, a wildlife book obviously said foxes mate annually breeding takes place in early to late winter with babies born in early to middle spring the vixen's heat cycle lasts less than one week wow and mates also have a breeding cycle and they're only interested in and they're no they're only interested in in mating at that same time the rest of the time they're not interested in mating at all so there's lots of people out there have lots of information on foxes okay we'll leave it there listen have a great week and enjoy St. Patrick's Day.
You too. And Thank you very we'll much. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thank you for that. Uh, bye bye. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Let me quickly look down through some of your uh, texts and calls coming in. Hi, Patricia. Good God. I know people need a haircut. I need a haircut so badly. It's now over a year since I've had one. The length is driving me demented, but... I'm willing to wait as there's a lot more important things going on at the moment. I cut my fringe myself sometimes. So maybe some people had a haircut in 2020. My last cut was in 2019, says Catherine, but I'm I'm pressing on without it. Actually, somebody else sent in a text saying my daughter, Douglas listener says my daughter and I had our haircut this morning and it looks fine. I'm 81 and I did it with the kitchen scissors. Can I just suggest if you are going to attempt to cut your own, go into a chemist to get a decent there's a lot of really good scissors I I, I I bought one during the first lockdown ended up having to get another one last week because I stupidly myself tried to sharpen it and I blunted it my, uh, myself uh, Michael says Patricia I'm listening to your caller on the hairdressers and the barbers I completely agree with uh, Joan I'm a man and my hair is a disgrace hairdresser and barbers are really fantastic in how they uh, operate uh, and a lot of other people saying yeah more than anything that they want their hair cut and then there's others are seeing it from the side of uh, we need to wait, we need to make sure until we're all absolutely safe and another listener is suggesting that now that the, when all of the over 70s are vaccinated could hairdressers open for the over 70s, that would cause absolute consternation almost have a vaccination passport of uh, sorts but if you want to stop and think about how badly do you need to have your hair cut uh, listen to this in from a listener who doesn't want me to call out her name, which is fine, saying, Hi, Patricia and team. I'm in tears as I write this text to you. My relatively youngish brother is being buried tomorrow following his death from COVID. Frankly, I don't care less about my hair at present. If other people had to go through what my family are going through, they would feel very differently. God, isn't that just heartbreaking? Please don't call out my name. Oh, goodness. Uh, my heart goes out to you and we, we send deepest, deepest condolences and it's only families that are faced with that and to be faced with a funeral at the moment and how different funerals are. It's just it's so, bereavement is so difficult and to lose a much loved brother at an age when he should have had many, many more uh, years uh, to live. It's, it's, it's awful. Listen, deepest, deepest sympathies to you and to your family. OK, that's where we leave it for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing the programme. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 with the Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health and Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.